Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Each week, we hear real-time stories from athletes and CEOs on how to maximize performance through an endurance mindset. Let's get started. Welcome to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. Today's guest has finished 31 Ironman competitions, including the World Championships. He has been selected by the Smart CEO Magazine twice as one of the top CXOs in the Mid-Atlantic. He's the founder and CEO of several businesses, one including the Endurance Zone. Please welcome Todd Jennings. Todd, welcome to, welcome to the show. Thanks, Greg. Thanks for having me. It's awesome to have you on the show. So we love talking endurance. And my favorite question to ask my guests is, Todd, tell me how your endurance mindset has impacted your life unexpectedly. Wow, that's a loaded question. Wow. <laughs> yes. Endurance sports has completely changed my life. Um, I'm talking now sitting here in sunny Florida, um, moving here for both the kids are out of the house, empty nester, and want to be in a place where I can train more and be outside more. Uh, but if you wind the clock back probably about 13 years ago now, um, I was not in endurance sports. I was you know, slightly overweight, probably, um, you know, not doing much of activity, just focused on my career. Right. I mean, it was just super busy. I'm in, in the technology field and spent most of my time just focused on that. And just to happen to be uh, flipping channels, watching TV, and came across on the NBC Sports, the Ironman World Championship. No idea what it was, didn't know what it really a triathlon was. And um, just sat in kind of amazement. And they had, as uh, a rebroadcast, they had a story of a gentleman named John Blaze, who was the first and only person with ALS to complete the Ironman. And I sat there at the time I was 42 and just was blown away by what he was accomplishing that anybody could accomplish that at the time, right? Um, let alone with that, you know, what he was facing and perseverance and just his dedication. And I looked at myself and my career and thinking, what was my legacy? Like this gentleman was just, it was amazing. And I just wanted like, what was that? What was that? Thing. I wanted to be part of that thing where that I that like I'd been driven in my career, but I'd never seen what he had completed. And had me really reflect what was really important. You know, was it climbing the corporate ladder? Was it the, the the material things we see in life? And I really quickly realized that had all those things, but it did define happiness. It did define purpose. It didn't define that goal that I think I was always looking for, but didn't really know what it was. And it was that day, it was sort of, uh, John spoke to me, you know, in this sort of strange way. So I woke up the next morning and I, you know, was inspired and I got on the treadmill and I ran about two miles and was winded. And it is a couple of days in a row. My wife was like, what are you doing? What, what is this new, this new thing? I said, I'm going to do an Ironman. And she laughed, chuckled, and anybody who knows me, don't tell me I can't do something. And, you know, so that, that was the pivot point in my life that changed everything, my mindset, my dreams, my career, my business, as mentioned, I'd been in and have been in technology my entire career, built a few technology companies, but this, uh, journey of endurance started from off the couch and slowly worked my way up over the winter, doing a little bit of training, never swam a lap at my life. In a pool, ever, you know, all, all traditional lap as swimmers would know, swim in the pool. 
and did my first Olympic uh, distance triathlon in Chicago, which is a fantastic venue, great event. Had no clue what I was getting into. <laughs> and we came down to the first buoy and I heard a gun go off, the group behind us, and they swam right over top. I was, I was doing every other stroke, but <laughs> the proper stroke, freestyle, and um, barely made it to the swim finish. Got done. Once I was out of the water, I felt safe. Clear that. I said, okay, I got to get swim lessons. And I was just hooked. At that point, I knew, you know, this big, hairy, audacious goal, right, of an Ironman just seemed so impossible. It just seemed like, you know, bigger than Mount Everest, but it was that target I had to accomplish. You know, and over that period of time, it just changes. I think the habits and behaviors you pick up from endurance sports, not just the mental fortitude and drive, but the consistency the planning, the being prepared for the unexpected, right? Because it's going to happen. You can't go into an uh, endurance event, whether it's a triathlon, a, a marathon, a, a mountain bike race, and expect everything to be, the weather to be perfect and everything's going to go right, right? Well, it's just like business. Business is never going to go as you expect it to go. The deal's never going to close when you think it is. And you also have to be patient to realize you've got to put in a time and energy that Businesses aren't built overnight. They take time and dedication and a foundation, which is the same as endurance sports, right? You've, you've got to build up that, that base level of endurance where when I tell people today in my typical daily training, they look at me like, how do you do that? Well, it's through years of building your body up where I do it and I don't think about it. My body's conditioned. But when I started, I could barely do two miles. An average day now, I run 10, 13 miles a day. No big deal because your body's conditioned. So the same as business, right? You have to slowly build up and, and prepare yourself for, for what's going to happen. So, you know, so again, long-winded answer, but it really transformed everything in terms of, you know, I, I shifted my career from technology, leveraging that experience. And the dream was always, how do I combine endurance, sports, and technologies? And that's where Endurance Zone was born three years ago. Before we jump into Endurance Zone, I would love to know, one, what length of time was between the Olympic and your first Ironman? And then after you answer that, how did your business change sort of unexpectedly as you started taking on this, endur this Ironman endeavor? Great question. Um, it was literally, I did my first triathlon the following spring i did my first half and my first full the same year um so within that first within less than a calendar year um and then since then it's been pretty much one to two a year if not more i mean there's been seasons where i've done three that's on top of i was traditionally racing every other week so i was probably doing anywhere from 15 to 20 triathlons a season so i mean the last 10 years i've done well over 100 triathlons I prefer the longer distance. I like the challenge more. So um, that is, you know, my preference. But, you know, I think after, you know, going into an Ironman, you've been there, right? It is the most terrifying thing the first time is no matter how much work, effort you put in. I'm a, I'm a wired A-plus type personality, right? When I know I've got something like that, my training was far exceeded. Well, probably the level of effort I needed to, but I didn't want to fail. I was so afraid of failing, not getting to the finish line was my biggest fear. Uh, and I think in doing that, 
it started to shift a lot of the business mindset because I think I became a lot more structured in my day and my planning than I was before, right? As an entrepreneur, you're constantly a little bit of the squirrel moments. You're chasing things. You're, you, you kind of get up and you're juggling five different balls, right? So I got a lot better at my time management in my day because I'm also now trying to put in the training that I want around trying to do all these other things in family, right? So you definitely you get a lot less sleep. You work a lot more, but it's really that mindset of how do you maximize the time that you do have, right? So you get a lot of times as an entrepreneur and other people want to collaborate. There were a lot of times where I love to say yes, and I had to start saying no. I, my time is my most valuable asset. I'm going to do these things and get it to my goal, both in endurance sports and in business. I've got to manage my time and choose thoughtfully and with purpose the things that I'm going to do. So really help with my time management and that prioritization. And I think the goal building too, right? Because I've always been a big believer that small achievable goals so you can start to get that success and have your true north, as I would call it, that where are you going towards? Because you're going to bob and weave as you go. It's never a direct line, right? There's always going to be some pivots, whether it's business or in sports that you have to deal with. But if you continue to head towards that goal and track your progress, I mean, obviously being a technologist, I'm big on the data, the training, and big on data in business. It tells you a kind of a cadence help. Where is your business at? What is working? What's just like we do on the endurance side, right? We're watching, what are we doing? What's working and what's not? Digging into the time management aspect, because you're, you're spot on, right? I find when I am at the height of my training is when I am the most efficient with my business and when I'm the most attentive with my family. Um, do you have any mysterious, some biohacks or what's your time management best practice or how how do you manage your time in order to get all those things accomplished? I think in your most endurance athletes can appreciate this. Non-endurance athletes look at us all. I think usually like we're a little bit crazy and have a few screws loose. But, you know, when, when I was really driving for those early days, because the goal was to get to Kona, right? I mean, every triathlete, that's the holy grail, right? But for me, the purpose was, and when I talk about John, I still get emotional. The purpose was to take the story back to Kona, where it all started, right? And I just thought how serendipitous it would be in full circle. And, and this is what happened in 2012 when I qualified, got to the world championship. I came across the finish line where John got to the finish line. And if you watch the 2005 Ironman, where they've got the story in the interview with John, they talk about, you know, he said in the interviews, like, I'll finish this race if they have to roll me across the finish line. So when he got to the finish line on the coverage, he got down and, his, you know, and he rolled in what they call now the blaze man roll. And so, you know, it was just so amazing. I said, how incredible it'd be if I go to Kona and roll across the same finish line where John inspired me. That's the power one person can have. And now what I've done through the business and my, my um, platform for ALS and awareness and everything else. It, it just is, it really changed everything, right? You know, and how that all took place. But I, you know, so part of that is getting up early. Right? I, because you're training hard, I, I you get very little sleep, right? Get up at 3.30 in the gym by 4, 4.30 in the morning. 
you get your first session in, you work a good eight, 10 hours, then you go back to the gym for another couple hours. But I tell people, I don't need a lot of sleep because when I'm, you're that tired, you've been training, working that hard. When I go to bed, I'm out, like deep REM sleep, and I only need a few hours and I feel okay. But you have to listen to your body. So that, I mean, for me, the hacks are really, um, you know, as a technologist, you know, there's a, this process in software development called, you know, agile, and it uses the concept of a Kanban board. And so, yeah, you sort of have these categories, a to-do list, right? Things you're working on and then where they're at. And so, and in that backlog, we call it the to-do list. You have your highest priority and most important things at the top and work your way down. And every day I get, yeah, that's the first thing I do is I look at my list, try not to get distracted by email. I look at those priorities and I start to work on the very first one, get it done go to the next one, get it done. Instead of trying to look at all the 12 other things I have to do, I am not to that step yet. Again, the small goals, take one at a time. You know, and I think when you get first one or two goals accomplished, you get that sense of accomplishment. It kind of starts to empower you versus waking up, checking the email, figuring out you got to respond to 12 different people. I got to do this right now. You've got all these things floating in your head of what you got to do versus it's almost a quiet meditation. All right, what's my day look like? What time do I have? What's my training look like? What's the family time? Now let me start working on the task and turn the email off. Like I have found closing your outlook because you get all the little pop-ups and what happens. You're working on something. You get that little distraction. Oh, there's an email. Finance. Let me go see what it is. Turn it off. You know, what did we do before? We live in a world where the expectation is you send an email, you expect a response in two minutes. Mm. It's not realistic. So checking your email at 10 o'clock, 12 o'clock, two o'clock, something along that or what works, but closing that distraction keeps a more focused mindset, right? Just like race day, hyper-focused. What do you got to do? One discipline at a time. Um, it worked well for me. That's really helpful insight and, and you're spot on with, blocking time for email and blocking time for not no email because it is just one after the other after the other um i'm curious todd do you prepare that list that you review in the morning the night before are you doing anything the night before to sort of prepare yourself for the following morning typically the only thing night before is obviously seeing if i have anything early and in, in terms of meetings or calls that, that i have to get prepared for but typically not because that to-do list is being managed throughout the day. So if something comes up in my inbox, I try to keep my inbox clean. Clean inbox is also another distraction. Everyone I see people have got 3,000 emails in there. I look at it and if there's an action item I have to do, add it to the to-do list and then I file the email away. Done. It's out of sight, out of mind. It's not my inbox. It's already mm -hmm. on the list based on that prioritization of is that important? Can it wait? You know, and if it's something that says, oh, it's not till next month, I'll put a date on it. Now it's farther down the list, but it's got a due date. So I'll work my way through the list um, as I get there. But again, it's less distraction. With all the technology, as wonderful it is, we've got too much coming at us. And I think it's just hard to focus on all of it. And so check the schedule the night before, mentally get your game, just like race day, right? You're mentally thinking about the next day and what's going to happen, visualization. Same thing on the business side. What meetings do I have? Anything I need to prep for? I'm prepared. I don't have to be putting something together 20 minutes mm. before. Be prepared. You never want to rush. Just like you don't want to get the 
transition on race day late. I've done it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. The extra 15 minutes of sleep before going to race site isn't worth the anxiety. You're that... not sleeping anyway. Who's That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Todd, I, I would love to hear the perspective of your friends and family when you took on this endeavor. You got inspired by Blazeman role. You saw, you watch it on TV. The next day you go out and you do your two mile run. The next day you're doing a little bit more and then you're finally, you're doing an Olympic. And I mean, your friends and family must've been asking some pretty intense questions. I'd love to hear their, that side of the story. Like how have they embraced it? How have they looked at you funny? How have they said, what are you doing, man? Um, give us that side of the story. Uh, yeah, there's a few perspectives there. Uh, I think my, my wife is kind of gone the full life cycle. I think, you know, she was pretty engaged. She got drug along with the kids when they were younger, waking up at three, three thirty in the morning to get packed up and go to transition and then stand around for 14, 15 hours waiting for you. Right. Incredibly patient, incredibly supportive. Uh, definitely, you know, it takes a village, right. And they were always there, you know, as I got through, you know, checking off nine, 10, 11 Ironmans, as I started, my wife's like, I've seen enough. I don't need to go anymore. I'm sleeping in, <laughs> you know? So while she's supportive, you know, I'm more solo now going to those races, and other athletes and friends, the kids are off and out of the house. So, but they've been incredibly supportive, especially, you know, it was prospect by Kona. It was my son's 18th birthday. And for the kids to see the journey, what I wanted them to take away and anyone else was anything's possible. You know, you mm. heard the tag, you know, the tagline, but it, it's so, it is so true. You know, and I tried to show them at that point in their life when they're kind of deciding what do they want to do? What do they want to be? That you can be whatever you want, but it takes hard work. It takes dedication. It takes that level of effort. But you have to dream big. And I think that's one thing I've always taken away from and I've learned and I, you know, I have a military background, but the part that endurance sports has expanded was every, our mind is our biggest limit. And I think kids, I wanted them and, and to understand my family members and others, you know, as my mom transitions and retire, other things you can do, right? Don't be held something because you don't think you can do it. Um, and so I think this journey has been, well, they've been incredibly supportive. They definitely look at me a little crazy, especially now as I'm transitioning from my iron challenges, going into the long distance ultra running, hundred mile, 200 mile runs. They're even think I'm more crazy than I was before. So, <laughs> you know, but they get it. They know it's how I'm wired and they support me fully. So let's dig into that. I'd love to understand, cause I'm, you know, my long distance is Ironman and I, daydream very rarely about going any further but of course that carrot is out there educate me on the that transition or how is the mindset different how is the training different what pushed you over the edge to do it i love triathlon i mean people say hey have you ever done a marathon i say nope i've done 20 31 ironmans 31 26 mile runs but i've never done a marathon I guess as a triathlete, as we would say, you know, I don't see it as challenging, you know, just to go out and do a marathon. Um, and I, and I love being a triathlete and I always will identify as a triathlete. It's who I am. And I don't disrespect the distance, but for me getting there race day you know, now, 
I sleep race night. I'm not stressed. I'm not worried. I honestly go into race day looking at it as it's a day with 2,500 leather like-minded friends of mine. We're going to go have a great long day training session. We're all going to suffer a little bit. That's all it is, is a training session. So I'm not worried about getting to the finish line. I'm not worried about those issues. And if I, and I try to actually take more of the race in and enjoy it. I do now way more than I ever did in the beginning because I was so focused. I've missed all the things that are happening around, you know, all the other athletes. But that challenge, that burn, fire my belly was just not the same as it was when I was trying to do my first iron, almost terrified. And, um, a good friend of mine, that training partner, uh, she's an ex-pro triathlete, Susie Serpico. She's, you know, an endurance goddess. She's done, you know, multiple ultra Ironmans, double Ironmans. She did what she's a third and only, I think, a third female to only complete the Epic Five, which is five Ironmans on the five Hawaiian Islands in five days. She's incredible. Um, and she kind of inspired me to start looking at this ultra running. And, and the funny part is, Running is my weakest, worst leg of the iron. I'm a cyclist. And it forced me to start training and, and looking at my running, the technical side, you know, my, you know, my running technique and watching a lot of like the Western States 100 and the Cocodona 250 or a lot of these other races. We as athletes spend so much time on the treadmill and indoor on the trainer. I'm always looking for new content to watch while I'm training. And I just started watching more of this endurance running. like, that looks super hard. Western states up and down the mountain, running all running for 24 hours or sometimes multiple days in the Coconona, thinking that is so much more of a mental push than even an Ironman is to try it. I just I want to see what my limit is. So that's that's the next stage. I've done a couple ultras, I've done a couple 32 mile runs and trail runs and 50 milers, but Next season, it's the 100, and then we'll, we'll see about the 250. That's fantastic. Um, I'll make sure to stay away from those YouTube videos when I'm on my bike this afternoon. Um, shifting gears, Todd, talk to us about the Endurance Zone and what your, that business is, what it does, and that I'd love to get into your ALS platform. Um, so talk to us about the Endurance Zone. Sure. Um, so, you know, Endurance Zone has been, as any... Uh, entrepreneur knows it's been a journey and we've had a couple pivots along the way. Uh, but I came together with myself and two other co-founders uh, who are both based in the UK in London, which is where our business is based out of. And we're a B2B platform. So it was all about as an athlete, one of the first challenges I always had was looking at, you know, when looking at trying to solve a problem with athletes, we spend a ton of money, doesn't matter which of the endurance sports, pick any one of them, on gear, nutrition, products, you know, new shoes, new bikes, helmets, all these things, right? And it's not, they're not inexpensive sports. What can we do? There's no one solving the problem. Like, how do we help these athletes save money? So took my technology background and our relationships with brands and endurance sound. We're a B2B model where we focus on member engagement trying to get people healthy and fit by offering discounts and rewards on sports brands. So we work directly with about 450 of the largest sports brands in the world. So everybody from your, your Nikes to your Under Armors to your, your garments and anyone else in between, clothing to nutrition to apparel and gear. And 
we work with customers like we work with USA Cycling, we work with British Cycling, with British Triathlon. They have a member base, and all those members, athletes, or whether they're a gym goer, are buying these new shoes. They're buying you know nutrition products. They're buying electrolyte drinks, and through our platform. We're giving them anywhere from 20 to up to 60% off of these products. They don't have to wait for a Black Friday sale. They don't have to wait for some special offer. If they're a member of, say, USA Cycling, they go on the platform, go, oh, you know what? I need some new trainers, right? I need a new helmet for go out and go for a ride. They can go online, log into their USA Cycling portal, grab a discount, and go shopping for a new helmet. So it's a way for our business partners keep their members engaged, offer great incentives. And our goal is to hopefully get people out there, be more active, active, healthy, and fit, where we've shifted now to incorporating smartwatches technology, where now we'll reward people for being active by giving them competitions where they can win products in gears, no virtual badges. We're all about get them a pair of shoes, get them a Fabletics outfit, get them a, a Garmin watch. So if you're moving, you're earning points, and then you can redeem those points in these platforms to get actual gear, product, nutrition. We're even looking at like special events. Can we get somebody a, a one week to the Tour de France or Ironman or things like that? So it's things that kind of gamify getting people active. So if it's Susie Homemaker and she's just walking a couple of miles a day or doing something, we hope to encourage and open up that opportunity in that door to be introduced to fit, health, wellness, because I think it brings that mental side as well, right? Mental focus, you end up becoming a better parent, better spouse, a better worker, a better leader. Um, it all kind of flows back into the business side. If you're taking care of yourself, you're mentally healthy, physically healthy. That's amazing. Um, and as an entrepreneur, you've got me, my head spinning a little bit. I'm you also mentioned earlier the platform that you started or created around ALS. Can you talk to us about that? So, you know, again, as John inspired me, that was, that was always my purpose. You know, John had spoke to me that day when I watched what he had accomplished. Uh, John did this in 2005. He went back to Kona in a wheelchair in 2006. And unfortunately, we lost him in 2007. You know, part of that story as I, I left that out was um, I was inspired. That night, I got online. I did a little research. I found uh, John's parents. Bob and Marianne, I reached out and wrote them a long letter and just said how John inspired me. Didn't know their son. Was really sorry for their loss. I didn't know much, and if anything, ALS. Didn't know anybody that had ALS, no family members. But I wanted to make sure his legacy wasn't written. The journey is, I want to help. What can I do? And John Blaze was his name. Is you know kind of started Blaze Man. Everyone called him Blaze Man. And so they started the Blaze Man Warriors. You know, and part of that's always been about raising the awareness for ALS. And I learned more about this god-awful disease that, unfortunately, there's still no cure. And it's one of those diseases, you know, prior to the ice bucket challenge, no one knew much about, right? Because people didn't like to talk about it. It was one of those, you know, and I hate to say it, there's a lot of awful diseases that we deal with, right? Mm -hmm. But if your doctor diagnoses you with cancer, you at least have hope, right? We've got treatment. There's curing it. They're getting so much better. When patients diagnosed with ALS, it's usually very rapid, very quick, and they pretty much tell you, go home, spend time with the family, get your house in order, get your life in order. And a lot of it is, you know, anywhere from a couple months to maybe six, nine months. You know, there are those fringe cases because they're still learning about ALS. And my other uh, 
gentleman, O.J. Brigance, is a Baltimore Ravens player. I was on O.J.'s uh, Brigance Brigade board for a number of years. There's uh, another, I'm a big supporter of O.J. and again, his foundation and along with the Blaze Man. Um, so it's always been, as I do every iron, I roll across the finish line. I've got lots of pictures online. I was on the NBC coverage coming down as they were doing me. I was coming down the finishing shoot with a big war on ALF there. So that was on mm-hmm. NBC Sports. And that's that's it, right? Exposure, get that awareness. So I always raise and try to raise money and awareness for ALF, Blazeman Foundation, Brigance Brigade. Anyone that kind of needs help and, and take that opportunity to educate people about that aren't familiar with Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS, um, what they could do to help. And, and you know, and post ice bucket challenge, fortunately and unfortunately, we're seeing more social media, professional athletes, individuals, actors who've gotten the disease. So it's getting that recognition and they are making great progress with a lot of the research that's being done, but we're still years away from a cure. And I said to John and John's parents, which, you know, I've got John's, well, I got my Airman tattoo and I've got John's name on it. So I carry him with me every day in my heart, on my body. But I said that I committed to racing until we, as long as I can, so my body will hold out or until we hear I'm an ALS survivor. Well, thank you for doing that, leading that charge and, and really being an inspiration um, and even going back so far when you were inspired and then carrying that forward. So I appreciate that, Todd. I'm going to change topics on you a little bit. We know about your Ironman history. We know a little bit about your business entrepreneurship. Tell us about the rest of your life. Like, get us, let us know more about Todd. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I I grew up in the East coast of the United States and Maryland. Um, I got two kids and most of my careers, I mentioned in technology, I spent half of it in corporate IT and various CIO, CTO roles in healthcare, publicly traded, the latter half, second half of my career, probably the last 15, 20 years has been more entrepreneurial, uh, built and sold a couple of tech companies, smaller kind of software development, managed service provider type of companies. But, you know, endurance zone, once we got this dream off the ground, has always been the passion, right? Because it's the two things I love the most. It's being around athletes, helping people get exposed to these sports and these races and how it changed their mind. Uh, along with you know, using the technology to, to build our platform. I've been married uh, coming up on 30 years now. My son is just turning 30, which is hard to believe. Our kids in Penn State, so we're big Penn State. We just spent the last couple months up and very disappointed at the end of the season, making it to the final four. But, you know, it's a great time. It's a great experience. So, with the kids out of the house, as I mentioned, we are now sitting here in uh, central Florida. I sold the house, you know, kind of downsized, no longer needed. It was all about trying to be somewhere warmer where I could swim, bike, and run a lot more outside year round and looking for our next venture down here and see what else life will throw at us, right? And kind of make our way into the other endurance sports of running and who knows what we might get into. I think it's trying to make the most of every day and taking any of it for granted, right? And just continue to have fun and put family first and everything else. But uh, kind of me in a nutshell, you know, I did leave out. I mean, it all kind of started. I, I do owe a lot of credit, feel like some of my rigor and 
discipline did come from the, the military. It was in the U.S. Navy uh, after graduating school at the University of Florida. Uh, I joined the Navy and uh, was fortunate. I worked for a four-star admiral, Admiral Baggett, who was the Supreme Allied Commander for the U.S. Atlantic Fleet. And just, I think it set a solid foundation for me in terms of discipline, rigor, attention to detail, you know, all the things you kind of take away, the camaraderie uh, that's team that you kind of take into business, right? In terms of your staff, your coworkers, your co-founders, that part of it is is important to me. And even though a lot of these endurance sports are individual, sort of looked at as individual sports, they're not really. They're team sports. Because you got a team of people behind you supporting, your family supporting you, your kids supporting you, making the sacrifices, the schedules, which people you're dealing with, whether it's coaches or massage therapists, I mean, you, you don't get to that race or to that level with a bunch of the people helping get there. Now, I, I think the one thing I love about triathlon and you think about business and community is the camaraderie. When you go to any of these events that I've been to, everyone's not competing against you. They're competing against themselves. And I think that's really great because you go there and I was so nervous that first day. Everyone around me was so helpful. All those newbie things I didn't really know how to rack the bike or how to do this. It's intimidating. You know? So I try to get that forward now and, and offer and put on camps and do things for people that want to get into sport because like, we don't want them to be intimidated, right? We want them to feel embraced and know it's a community. Just like your business is your team, you want your employees to feel safe. You want your staff to feel comfortable, that they can come and they're not expected to know everything. That's why they're there, but you're going to help mentor and teach them. And failure is looked at as a negative. Failure is that's incredible. That's great. You attempted it. Now let's figure out what we do and you'll keep getting better and eventually you will achieve that. So in business, it's never about when you want your employees to say, hey, I tried, I tried, I figured this out. Great. I want you to try for a certain amount of time, but then raise your hand. I'm stuck. There's nothing wrong with being stuck, just like an endurance race. There's nothing wrong with failing. We all get better at failure, just like entrepreneurs. I've had several failures. I've had some, some ideas that just didn't work. Out. You know, you're not going to hit our on every time, how hard you work at. So it's not always the level of effort, just like in training, right? You can easily overtrain. It's not about quantity. It's also about quality. Yeah, you certainly, failure is part of our learning process, both in entrepreneurship and also in our endurance training. So Todd, we've got audience members who are entrepreneurs. I would assume some of them are thinking about taking on an Ironman race. What advice would you give to that entrepreneur? I think it's just like, uh, just like we talked about earlier, like in business, I think, you know, in the business, right? You often start with a plan, right? Write it all out on paper. I think it's good to map it all out, right? And, and, and again, kind of being that tech analytical guy, I'm all about the data and having a plan. Um, and starting with small goals, you know, whether that's depending on where that individual is in their journey, whether they're just looking to get starting with like 5k or something small so that they can get their body and their mindset up to a certain point, right? You want to kind of do a 5k, then maybe a 10k. A lot of triathletes struggle with, and most are not swimmers, right? As we know, I was not, I love to swim now, but I was not a swimmer. That's a big mental goals to overcome there. The YMCA is a great program. Well, I went to get swimming in a master's, master's program. They've got a lot of free programs where I had no clue how to properly breathe. And I learned 
So I think it's that the big goal, that if your goal is, I want to do an Ironman, set a realistic timeline. I, I think for somebody who's just starting, who may not be doing physical fitness activity, I'd say, look at 18 months. I think that's realistic. Mm -hmm. For somebody who might be semi-fit and that's maybe running marathons or doing half marathon, I think a 12-month plan is something that's realistic if you stick to it and it's consistency, right? Consistency and dedication to build that endurance. It is that. And, and there's, you know, depending where they're at, having a coach might be the right idea or a mentor. Align with somebody who's on that along that journey who can, you know, no pun intended, share with you where they've skinned their knees a few times, where they've made some mistakes. All the things that I've learned, all the mistakes I've learned, so they don't have to make those mistakes. But develop the plan and then just follow the program, right? Every day, that's what you got to do this morning. If you keep doing the program, you will eventually get to the goal and you'll be able to do an iron. I mean, we've done it. We knew at first it seemed like it was impossible. It's not. And it's definitely one of the most rewarding, gratifying, amazing. You know, only someone who's crossed that finish line knows the feeling. You just can't put it in words. And it is still, doesn't matter how many times you cross, it is the most rewarding feeling I've probably ever had in my life. You're uh, making my palms sweat just talking through it. So I'll ask you the reverse question. Does the, the, does the advice change for an athlete who's thinking about becoming an entrepreneur? No. I mean, I think in today's world and technology, I mean, gosh, I wish a lot of the things are available today. When I was 25, I wonder where my life would be and what I might be doing differently. Um, there's so much opportunity out there. It's, it's both good and bad because there's a lot of people chasing it, which is encouraging. I did a couple mentor groups in Baltimore of, of startup groups where there's a lot of great entrepreneurs who had a great idea, but clearly had no experience in the execution or operation. So I think as an entrepreneur, the biggest thing to do is, as they always say, surround yourself with smarter people, right? Get involved in a startup group, find a mentor. If you're I don't know, going into home construction or you're going into, you know, bicycle shop or whatever it is. Find businesses in that area or maybe a leader that you can get in touch with and take them to lunch, offer to buy them lunch, pick their brain, understand how did they get started? What were the challenges? Um, like anything, do, it's just doing that research, right? So it's the prep work going into starting the business or you pull the trigger, you know, look at the market, look at the industry. What is it that you want to drive to do? What's going to differentiate you? And then what is the plan, right? I'm going to do this. I'm going to open this shop. And setting realistic goals, right? You can't have this even happen. Why? To I got an idea. I'm going to launch a website, and then they're disappointed because there's no business coming in. It's you know, it's not the field of dreams. If you build it, they're not going to just come. So it's part of that plan, right? You know, as an entrepreneur, and just like we talked about earlier, as an athlete, set the plan. But as I say, the plan is always in pencil. You are going to pivot. Mm -hmm. You're going to have to adjust, and you're going to have to constantly. Look at the data. What is working? What take feedback? Don't take it as criticism, and know that you're going to fail. Somebody, as I hate to say it, had to say this to a couple entrepreneurs. They don't want to hear their baby's ugly. Sometimes you're going to say your baby's ugly. You got a great idea. I think if you spun it this way and did that, and that's some entrepreneurs won't let that go. And mm. I think as an entrepreneur, that is one of the first things you've got to do. If you're on the path of failure, get out quick. Fail fast. 
you know, don't keep beating your head on a wall trying to get something that's not working because you think it's a great idea. Survey people in the industry, would you like this? Would you buy this? Would you use this? Um, they're going to tell you because if they don't want it, it doesn't matter how great you think it is, nobody's buying it. You're not going to have a business. That's great advice, Todd. And I wish I had that advice 10 years ago, but that's a whole other podcast. Uh, Todd, how could an Me audience too. member... Me too. <laughs> how could an audience member get in touch with you? You can find me on LinkedIn, obviously, or you can email me at tjennings at endurancezone.com. Our website's endurancezone.com. Uh, you know, at this point in my career and with everything else that I mentioned, just like with triathlon, endurance board, and much like you're doing now, trying to give back and, and give to the community. There's something I can help with. If I can make an introduction, if I can point somebody in the right direction, people did it for me my entire career. And I feel I'm at that point of it's time to pay it forward and give it some can. I'm more than happy to just email me. I'll get back to you right away. You're in my inbox and guarantee you'll get a response. It might just take a day or two. You're in a, a specific folder, as we learned about from your time management <laughs> uh, discussion. Todd, it's been great. And, and those links will include in our show notes. So anyone who didn't capture that, while listening, just scroll down and you'll find it. Uh, it's been great having you on the show. I really enjoyed all of our conversations. Some highlights that jumped off the page for me was when you you mentioned that our mind is our biggest limitation, right? Um, we talked about True North and your passion and yeah. how you got inspired um, by John Blaze. That story is amazing. And it's just got my, my skin tingling again. And then I really got a lot of value out of the time management discussion and how our endurance mindset and our willingness to do these races and the training really makes us collapse time to a point that you focus on what's important and everything else just kind of fades away. Um, I, my message to the audience, if you've got some value out of today's show, please like the show, please subscribe to the podcast. Todd's message and his story are really important. And the more that we can share it within our community, the more impact we can have. Again, Todd, it's been awesome having you on the show. I'm looking forward to watching your results from your upcoming ultra racing. Thank you again. Thanks, Greg. And I would, I one last tidbit, I'd say go to YouTube, Google John Blaze, B-L-A-I-S. And if you aren't inspired watching the 2005 clip uh, on YouTube of John Blaze, I'll be pretty impressed if you're not. It's an amazing, he was an amazing man. So thanks for having me, Greg. And I really appreciate your time. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Chief Endurance Officer Podcast. To hear more inspiring stories and strategies around the endurance mindset, be sure to subscribe below or visit us at chiefenduranceofficer.com. Until next time, keep pushing those limits.